Welcome to Let Go, Lean In, my podcast designed with transformational leaders like you in mind. I'm Lise Lewis, your transformational leadership coach. In each episode, you'll find help growing awareness of your mindset as a leader, be equipped with a tool to let go of unrealistic expectations and self-limiting beliefs that get in the way of your one precious life. My goal is for you to thrive as you lean in toward the leadership call God has put on your life. Join me and other leaders as we let go and lean in together. Well, welcome to another episode of Let Go Lean In podcast. Today, I'm really excited to get to introduce you to a dear friend from my days in the Bay Area, Janine Crum. Janine, thanks for doing this with me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to talk with you and just to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. Oh, absolutely. As as I have thought through people who are voices that I want to make sure that other people know about. Yours came to mind right away. And I've been working through all these different series plannings. And so to have you here at this time for this reason is so exciting. So yay. Well, I want to formally introduce you to our listening audience. And so here's Janine's bio. Janine Crum is a woman of influence. She is an artist, musician, writer, a consummate creative, and a serial entrepreneur since the age of seven. Through art and writing, Janine creates space to connect and share on the topic of mental health. She also has recently started a business for herbal teas and infused honeys. And at the end of our episode, I'll share all the links. So again, welcome, dear Janine, to Let Go Lean In podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's so fun. I I know offline, we've had lots of different conversations over the years. And pieces of your story, I, I remember because they're so dear in the way that you move through the world. And yet, you know, here we are, this is a leadership podcast. And so I always want to hear people's story, like the earliest memory of you having the fingerprint of leadership. So can you think of one? Sure. Yeah, I was, I I can think of one. Um, But I just have to say, you know, Lisa, you did say before we started recording that, um, you know, maybe I didn't see myself as a leader and you're, you're right in a lot of ways. And, and I think it's interesting that you view me as someone of influence and a leader because my earliest memories of being in leadership were not because I chose to be in leadership, but because other people were saying, you should do this. So the first thing I was thinking of was in fifth grade, I was voted to be on student council. And I was like, guys, what? <laughs> what I'm doing? Yeah. But, you know, fifth grade. And then as I kind of followed that trail of leadership, just kind of thinking back, I was always asked to be on leadership with like youth group things, um, teaching kids in Sunday school, helping to lead worship in our church, um, playing piano for the kids choir, just all these little nuanced things where I was asked to do something that put me into a role of leadership 
that I would have probably never invited myself to step into if it wasn't for somebody else seeing that quality in me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Seeing that quality in you. Mm -hmm. How did that feel when, you know, as, as early as you can remember that somebody said, Oh, this, this would be a good thing for you to be a part of because you're a leader or. You know, I, I think, I mean, I always was like, oh, cool. This is great. Sure. You know, I was always willing when somebody asked, I was always willing to step in and, and try it out. That's kind of my personality. I'll just try it. I'll try. Yeah. Um, but I, I've always have that. Um, oh, what's it called? The imposter syndrome feeling mm -hmm. of like, oh, do I really, I don't know what I'm doing. How do I, how do I maintain this? Or how do I continue forward? Or I hope they're going to tell me what I'm supposed to do here. I'll show up as long as you give me some instructions. Right. 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 Oh yeah. The imposter syndrome. I'm glad you brought that up because that is a consistent thing that, that women, especially, but I know it's true for men as well. They just wear it differently, but the people, when they're stepping forward into something new, that it, it's like the resistance mm -hmm. that comes up. It's like, what? And we start this, you know, cycle in our head, like, what am I doing here? Why am I, you know, why'd they ask me, you know, whatever it is. So thank you for being honest about that because you know, some people think they're plagued with it and nobody else deals with it. And that's just not the case. <laughs> Everybody deals with it I somehow. I hope he does, but it definitely is me for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, same. It, it's, um, I think it's a part of being human that, uh, you know, they, they say that public speaking, for example, and that's what leaders end up doing, right? They have to get up in front of a group and say, okay, we're going to do this. And, and so that's an element of public speaking. It may not be 5,000 people in an auditorium, but it's still standing up in front of others mm -hmm. and leading. Yeah. And, and they say research, you know, through, you know, like the Barna Institute or Gallup or whomever, they interviewed people and found that public speaking, people are more afraid of than dying. Really? Yes. Now I find that pretty interesting because I, I'm kind of fond of public speaking. Ah. <laughs> the spotlight. I'm like, I think maybe because I had a, um, I was the quieter of my siblings that now that I'm like, you know, on my own, I'm like, Oh, give me the spotlight. <laughs> I have a chance to speak and be heard. It's like, it's and I have words to say. I've got a lot of words to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I am thankful that you use your words. Oh, thanks. You know, in, in your bio, you mentioned about using your writing as, as a way to connect and have a safe space for people to, to be able to share about mental health. And it's a topic that has been, you know, under the rug for mm -hmm. way, way too long. Yeah. And it's far more a relevant topic than a sideline one. Mm -hmm. So the the things that you have shared, and again, it, as you're listening to me, I will make sure you have a way to connect with Janine, but the way that you have been vulnerable and, and yet invited in mm -hmm. has been such a beautiful balance. 
And sometimes, you know, people can just like tell everything mm-hmm. and, and you, you feel for them, but mm-hmm. there's no engagement. There's right. no invitation. And, you know, I really have to credit that. I think some of that mentality of how I share. So I feel like I've always been kind of a, ask me and I'll tell you whatever. I'll be honest and, and tell you and probably word vomit. But when I read, when I read Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly, she talks about vulnerability. I read that probably about five or six years ago. I don't know exactly the timeline, but right when it came out and it knocked me off my, like it knocked me, knocked my socks off because I was like, Oh, I'm vulnerable. This is great. This is, this is awesome. And then I got to the part where she was talking about, you know, some people use their vulnerability, um, like as a shield to protect them and they just throw their story out there, but it creates a barrier. And I found myself in that picture a lot that she was describing. I was like, Oh gosh, how is that helpful? Um, And so that really changed things for me when I realized, oh, if I shift how I speak about my story, which I was doing anyway, I had the time I'd been really struggling with severe postpartum depression and anxiety and panic disorder. Um, And I started telling my story when I started shifting it to make it more open and welcoming and and, um, inclusive of others' stories, Mm -hmm. it it really changed things um, for my relationships and created a lot of space for other women to start telling their stories. Mm. And I think that was the, that's been a huge piece of why I continue to tell my story, why I continue to talk about mental health and advocate for those things. Because, you know, as you do, more people feel seen, they feel heard and they feel safe enough to speak up about their own struggles. Absolutely. And boy, isn't that where the power is to, Mm -hmm. to see themselves Mm -hmm. rightly? You know, I'm not alone. This is, this is a struggle, unfortunately, that's more common than, than I would have realized because I was in my own Mm -hmm. experience. And so it's, it's a beautiful thing that, both that you read Brene's words, but then also took them to heart and, and have seen the difference. Yeah. And, and my goodness, I can imagine the lives of those who have connected and been able to um, see, begin to see themselves mm-hmm. in a more whole fashion rather than othered, right? Because right. That's, that's often the case with, with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's over there. Right. Not like right here in our midst. So... Yeah. You know, as, as you've done writing and, and built different businesses and led in different ways, I know that you have been very creative in the way that you keep yourself organized. And, and I've been in your home and the visuals for different (laughs) things that you create so that, you know, here's, here are these things that I need to have available. And, and it turns into a piece of art when it's not, you know, it could be in other people's houses in boxes labeled or something. Um, And yet keeping yourself organized and, and, you know, on track still is something that we all need to do in whatever way it is. And I'm just curious if you have a particular tool or method of leading yourself well that you think might be helpful. Oh, goodness. So, I mean, other than 
okay, are, are we talking about like a physical tool? Cause you mentioned visuals in my home. Yeah. You can do it any way that is helpful to you. That could be helpful to someone else. I mean, we, I, we, I don't know if we, we haven't said this out loud yet while you press record, but I'm a huge Enneagram nerd. And so, oh yeah, we haven't had said that. (laughs) (laughs) And I would say that the most supremely helpful tool for me personally and within my life and all of my relationships that has positively affected everything has been the Enneagram. Whoa, that, that is a big statement. It is say it again. The thing that has I can't. <laughs> well, just it, what I heard you say, it's been the most positive impact. Yeah. On all, all of my relationships. And, and mostly because it's such a personal tool and I've been able to, you know, incorporate my faith in that, mm. um, in a really deep and transformative way that it, I think the Enneagram just gave me words to a lot of stuff that I had been walking through life feeling like this makes me feel other, like I don't belong. Mm. And then the Enneagram was like, no, 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 no. Let's explain this a little bit. And then I was like, oh, these mm. things that were making me feel other are actually the gifts that I have to offer to the world. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? And how do I, you know, sharpen the tools that um, I've been given and how do I, you know, use them and in encouraging others and how do I build connections with them? And how do I see the, see other people flourish and find their own way? Um, Yeah. So that's why I love the Enneagram so much. I love that. So you haven't said as an Enneagram nerd, what do you, where do you land as an Enneagram core type around the the model? Yes. So I will say at first I mistyped myself as a type that I really wanted to be and identified with. And I thought at first I was an Enneagram nine, the peacemaker, Okay. because I do tend to see other people's perspectives very well. I'm very empathetic. Um, and I liked the idea that I like to keep the peace, but it wasn't until actually a really close friend of mine, um, pointed out that maybe I'm not a nine. She was like, I think you're a four. And I got really angry with her (laughs) because I did not want to be a four because I read about fours and (laughs) it all hit way too close to home that I did not want to admit that, you know, the, the, the deep broken feelings and things that a core, that a four feels, I didn't want to accept that. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was probably about three or four years ago that I had that conversation with a friend. And, um, you know, since then I've done a deep dive into type four and, you know, talking over with the people closest in my life. And they're like, oh yeah, yes, of course you're four Janine. Duh. I can't believe you didn't see that. Um, yeah, but I think it helps to get that outside perspective. I don't think it's ever mm. really beneficial to tell somebody that they're not the number that you yeah. think they are. Don't do that. And don't ever tell somebody what you think their number is. I don't think that's very helpful with the Enneagram, but, um, from you know, personally, I don't think that's super helpful, but in my case, it ended up helping me dig in a little bit more and uncover more of who I really am. 
Yeah, yeah, I love that. And, and the fact that when you were approached with the thought of a different type, even mm. though, you know, it, it wasn't like, this is who you are, but it was you might think about this. That's yes. more of an invitation, which is easier for anybody to respond right. to. Right. But I, I just I laugh knowing that your reaction to that was similar to mine, which is a different type. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I don't want to be that. No, <laughs> I don't like that. And and I've heard, and I'm sure since you um, have done a deep dive into study, that mm-hmm. some people see themselves by the parts that they don't like mm-hmm. more easily than yes. the higher side. Right. Do you think for yourself, do you think that that's true um, at first? Uh, well, I think like that I wanted to be a nine. <laughs> I think I wanted to be a nine because I liked the good parts of a nine and that the bad parts of a nine, I didn't identify so deeply with, but I was like, yeah, sure. I could be kind of, you know, slow to get moving on things sometimes and, you yeah. know, not speak up and use my voice as much as I could. But I think the, yeah, you're right. The lower side, the, like the lower things in the type four were really just hit way too close to home that I was not ready to explore that at first. Yeah. 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 Same. Um, you know, people want to be certain types because mm-hmm. they see, oh, this is how they are. I want to be that person. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, you know, when you start to really look at this is the whole of a different type, it's like, yeah, no, not really. <laughs> and, and I mistyped at first as a one and, and I thought, this does not resonate at all. But when I learned more about the Enneagram and recognized that when a seven is under stress, that's how they show up. Mm-hmm. And when I typed the first time what the circumstances of my life were like, mm-hmm. it all made perfect sense. And mm-hmm. as I learned about the seven, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I want all the stuff. I want all the experiences, all the food, all the cocktails, all the books, all the <laughs> trips. I love it. That's me. <laughs> so, and yet it's not a pretty sight, right? When we see ourselves, yeah. but, but it makes so much sense in, in your case, especially to hear you say that it has been such a helpful tool in growth and in connection with your faith too, because yeah because the intense creative, which is what a four can be labeled, depending on whose vocabulary, Mm -hmm. you, that intensity, that depth in your character and your feelings and your, your understanding and your empathy, all of those things, it all makes sense Mm -hmm. that that's who you are. And yet the, the way that you've been able to see it not just, yep, that's me, but for growth, yeah. I would, I would love for you to say more if you don't mind. Yeah, because sure. A lot of times people think it's a, it's like a party game. Oh, I'm, right. I'm a two and that's <laughs> why I do this or whatever. But yeah, I mean, so there's this, this saying that the Enneagram is not a shield or a sword. It's not a defense mechanism for your behavior. And it's not a reason to cut other people down and say, oh, well, you're this, say you're that you're, you know, of course you act like that, but you know, um, the Enneagram really is a deep growth tool. So for me, when I kind of dug in and realized, 
some of the core messaging and longings that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I feel like <laughs> I'm probably going to get some of the wording wrong, but this message that I always tend to feel that something is broken or like just ultimately missing about me, that something is fundamentally flawed about my personhood, um, that can't be recovered that, um, you know, when I, when I realized that message was playing all the time, I I was able to pay attention to it. I was able to, you know, repeat the truth back into those echoes Mm -hmm. and, um, begin to rewrite some of that so that I was no longer operating in this well, I'm not saying I'm not like cured of that messaging, but I I'll just say it's helped me identify it so much more quickly Mm. when I am in that path. And I am in that pattern of thinking that, um, you know, I've learned to move out of that, identify it and move away from it. That makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, we could, we could attribute a a lot of vocabulary to it, but that identifying of a pattern, it's almost like a mindset. It's the repeated thinking and, Mm -hmm. and without awareness Mm -hmm. and you're paying attention to it and catching it without Mm -hmm. that awareness, you just will go into that familiar pattern. Right. And, and so to have a, a outside of yourself vocabulary and, and frame of reference can, can be really helpful in, in seeing, ah, that's, that's where I'm at. That's what's happening. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've talked about this offline before, but I agree about the growth, the the thing that the Enneagram has given me in regard to my faith is a, a acceptance mm-hmm. of myself. It's given me yes. a chance yeah. to move away from judgment mm-hmm. into compassion. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. If, if we believe that God has uniquely created us, as we are, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, then there's nothing wrong with us. Right. Right. (laughs) And, and yet messaging through the world in a variety of ways, sometimes, unfortunately, from our families of origin, you know, all of that kind of stuff, we can have this negative attribution of, of how we are and something outside of yourself, this tool, this frame of reference and say, Oh no, that's, that's a part of who you are. Yeah. And you know, you have curly hair. I have straight. That's a part of who we are. (laughs) I'm with you on that. I think in terms of growth, you know, it's also being like able to shed some judgment towards others who don't see the world the way that I do, because, you know, I, I've, I've read those Bible verses about, you know, we're a body of Christ and, you know, each part has its own, you know, use and all that. And when I look at the Enneagram, it's very clear to me that, wow, not only is the body the physical human body made of many parts, but you can attribute so many um, different perspectives to the way that the Enneagram is kind of like categorized things. It's not a a perfect label. It's not a perfect box, but it's like, oh, this is kind of the perspective that this large group of people is operating through. And there's nine of those and so many different, you know, nuances within each of those that like, wow, we all really need each other. 
We mm -hmm. all really need to like operate together and all use our gifts and all be, you know, working uniquely to how we perceive the world and how, and our own perspective and walking in that. Um, yeah. so yeah, I'm totally with you on th that side of the growth, um, of like losing some judgment for, for mm -hmm. people for, you know, and, and yeah. offering grace, I would say offering grace yeah. because you know, we've talked, you know, I'm a four. And so I have a lot of feelings and I'm very empathetic towards other people. And, right. you know, for a long time, I had a very high rigid expectations that other people would have the same level of empathy toward me. Right. And yeah. there is one type of Enneagram that has, I'm not saying there's no other empathetic types, but fours right. are the deepest feelers. Yep. And that's one out of nine. <laughs> and so it should make sense now that I would maybe adjust that understanding pretty much most people are not going <laughs> right. to feel the right. same depth that I do. And I can release people from that responsibility of yeah. needing to do that for me in order to feel loved or heard or understood by them. That's so great, Janine. I love the way that you explain that because that way of seeing into the world from your perspective is unique to you, even coming from a family with other siblings and you know all the different things. You are unique the way that you're wired. And I know lots of people don't like personality profiles because yeah. they feel like they get put in a box. But the thing that, you know, I'm right with you on that, on the Enneagram and, and its potential. But the thing that I see is that it opens up rather yeah. than contracts yes. because of the nuances, like you said, and the complexities and the uniqueness that mm -hmm. even though I'm a seven, there are three subtypes and I have two wings and, you know, it's like the life experiences get put in there and it's I, no wonder I am who I am. And yet there's not another person on the planet that's exactly like me. Yep. And, and so both of these things being true at the same time, to me, it's just such a supportive way of, of seeing, you mm -hmm. know, so mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you use the Enneagram the way that you do, because again, there's more complexity and it makes perfect sense that as a four, you would also do the deep dive and you have that five wing for knowledge and understanding and the three the achiever and, you know, get it. Yep. I'm going to know this stuff and I'm going to be able to use it for myself and, and with my family and all those good things. That's, that's a perfect tool. Thanks for mentioning that one. And, you know, the, the thing that, that I, you know, as I interview, have conversations with, not really interview, but um, just to have fun <laughs> as a seven, when, when I get to have conversations like this, the thing that always strikes me is no matter where a woman is leading, Mm -hmm. Whether it's in the home, it's online, it's in a corporate space, it's in her own business, whatever, wherever it is, there is a, is a definition of what it means, you know, success, uh, what the world puts on us, and we, we carry that. But mm -hmm. I love to hear what each person's unique definition of what it means to thrive because i really think that that that's the hinge pin for us as women and as leaders mm -hmm. that 
how we see what it means to thrive in your own life um, then can encourage others like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I see myself there. Anyway, so to that point, do you have a definition of what it means to thrive? Um, yes. I mean, for me, I mean, this is right for, this is for everybody. Um, and in the context of leadership, I, I mean, I've, I've, as an adult, I found myself in a lot of leadership roles and most recently have been the girl scout leader of my daughter's girl scout troop. I love that. But in, in all capacities now, as, as an adult, and anytime I've been in within leadership and, um, this whole sense of thriving for me comes from when I am able to see others where they are mm. and help them see themselves. Oh, I love that. Come into the group and come into using their skills and their perspective and seeing, you know, that they have unique giftings and that it's important their voice is important, their presence is important, their thoughts, their feelings, their opinions. And I'm a big picture person. So it's easy for me to then see all of these thoughts, feelings, opinions, you know, empathize with it, synthesize all that information and come up with a, like a vision mm. for, for the group. And so that's been a gift that, um, you know, when I'm in that place, I feel like I'm thriving. I love when I'm in that place of being able to see myself authentically, um, seeing other people where they are, that's when I feel like I'm thriving. And when I see that kind of those lights come on and things clicking and the quote machine starting to work well, I'm like, Oh yeah. So I do that with my kids. I try to do that with my husband and I do try to do that with myself as well and try to, you know, stick to, you know, my, my feelings are for in the forefront of my mind. That is how I see the world. I'm on the heart triad of the Enneagram. Everything is filtered through a feeling and then I can proceed. And so I allow myself to do that and I move through it. And when I'm like not chastising myself for the feelings or not, you know, shaming myself for the feelings, I'm thriving. You know, when I'm able to see that and be like, oh yeah, this is good. This is how you're made. Keep mm -hmm. doing that. Keep, um, doing that. Yeah. keep doing that. That's, that's kind of how I define thriving. I love that. I, like I said, before I really brought the question back to give you a chance to answer it, I think it's important for us to hear the variety of definitions of what it means to thrive and recognize that it's not a one size fits all, first of all, and it's also attainable within your own life. Right. You don't have to look, you know, beside you and compare, you know, somebody else's existence. That's not what I heard you talking about. <laughs> and, and I especially love that you recognize that when you're able to see others and can, you know, synthesize what you're hearing and what you're feeling and what you're empathizing with them about, you can help them to thrive. And that to me is the definition of transformational leadership, which is often how women lead mm. because they're doing their work and then able to hold their hand out with tools and encouragement and empathy to help others in their own life. 
So you you nailed it without even knowing. And I love that. <laughs> That's so good. Oh my goodness. It's so delightful to get to see your face. Janine and I used to live well about four miles apart. And I had privilege of, of taking care of her babies at different times. And oh, I just I miss you a lot. And you do. And I will I have to say, I think of you all the time because you taught me the phrase God's economy. Oh. I think about that all the time. She, you know, Lisa, you're just mentioning that you took care of my babies. I have four little ones. And there were so many times that you asked to hold them for me. And that ministered so much. I needed a break. And you told me it ministered to your heart because you needed that, you know, you long wanted that connection and, yeah. and of two with a little with a little one. And I think about God's economy too. And um all the time because of that. So thank you for giving me that. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah, you know, doing life with people is priceless, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And uh, this is this is a close second in regard to you know being with, but there's mm -hmm. there's no exchange for being together in person. And so I look forward to visiting you in your new home sometime. And um, you know that open invitation should you come back out to this crazy state where you used to live <laughs> you know those those kinds of things visit to visit yeah. visit visit not live visit, visit. <laughs> oh my goodness well again such a delight to get to talk with you and to hear about leadership and your life and the enneagram and just all that you shared today with the the listening folks and when you get over to the show notes for this episode, there will be um, the website for Chicory Tea. Did I say that right? That yeah, Chicory Tea Co. Chicory Tea Co. And then ways to connect with Janine on social media so that you can be encouraged as she writes and shares about what she's doing in the world. So Janine, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. <laughs> so fun. Thanks so much for taking time to be with me today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please head over to iTunes and like, subscribe, and leave a review. I know this sounds like a shameless plug, but honestly, your actions on iTunes are the best way other leaders like yourself will find this podcast. I really appreciate it. I would also love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. Let me know what you learned or what you'd like to learn next. I'd like to invite you to go to letgoleaninpodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter there. Where it says learn more, you can sign up to get a monthly newsletter that I share just the information from each of the episodes that you might not have had the opportunity to go back and check out the show notes. There'll be the highlights, the links, and other pieces of information that are pertinent to the podcast, as well as go over to Instagram and follow Let Go Lean In Podcast over there, because I am starting to use that more frequently as a way to help you as a leader get to see some encouraging graphics and have a few posts each week to encourage you in your leadership. So again, 
thank you for going over to uh, Apple Podcasts and liking and subscribing and reviewing this podcast, as well as signing up for the once a month at the end of the month resource recap newsletter for Let Go Lean In Podcast. See you next time.